the Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. How are we doing? We're doing great. I love the uh, Felix Hernandez news. We spent some time talking about it this morning. Felix uh, going to go into the Mariners Hall of Fame. Seems like one of the easiest choices this organization has ever made. I would agree. It's uh, there's. I, I don't think it's it's even close as to whether or not he's the best pitcher that's ever put on a Mariners uniform. And you know, for the for the decade that he was just dominant in this league, it's hard to imagine. You know, it's. Justin Verlander, Felix Hernandez, there'll be an era of pitchers, you know, Johan Santana might squeeze in there that, that, that we'll always remember for what they did at that, at that time in baseball history. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's great that he's going to be recognized because he was awesome. What was that measurement tool that you guys had? At, uh, you, shove you t- report? Yeah, the shove report. The shove report. We do, in fact, have a shove report. For that, for that decade. That decade and the metrics that would have been used in that decade of pitching, where would Felix have been in the shove report in all of baseball? I have no idea. <laughs> There's a, it's a, I wish I could tell you, you know, it's, a, it's an algorithm that's pumping out uh, a number based on the physical stuff, the execution on a daily basis. So, you know, it, it actually requires some activity and, and it would be impossible to go back. I, at least I, I think it would be impossible to go back and apply it to something that happened, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. It's, it's okay. more of a, a current event. It'd be a physical impossibility. That's what you're telling me. Salk knows all about physical impossibilities. Way. Yes. Okay. Better question than you may remember then. I hope a better question. The first time you saw him live, the first time you saw his stuff in person, what jumped out? Uh, first time I saw his stuff in person was 2005. I was in Colorado Springs with the, at the time I was working with the Colorado Rockies and I, I saw him pitching in AAA that year. And the first thing I thought was for, I think he was 19 at the time and, and a 19 year old pitching at that level with that kind of command of that large a menu of pitches was one of the first times I'd ever seen anything like that. Um, you know, and that's, You'll see a 19-year-old that throws in the mid-90s that can hit into the uppers that might snap off a nasty breaking ball. But to command all the pitches like Felix did at such a young age, you know, and his changeup was fledgling at the time, you know, but by standards of a 19-year-old, how advanced he was, it was pretty phenomenal. And and I, I, I can't remember, I remember watching Doc Gooden when he was a 19-year-old and, and fastball, curveball dominant. But no one with a four-pitch mix that could do the things Felix could do at that age. Was that the thing that set him apart, the command of all those different pitches? Yeah, it really did. And, and I have to say the evolution of his changeup. You know, there was a, a period of time, where, especially through the years where, where I was in Anaheim and in the division and Felix was, was at the top of his game. His changeup might have been the single best pitch in baseball, uh, you know, at least – I, I, that's the way our hitters perceived it. I can tell you that. And it's, it was a, it was a joy to watch him pitch, especially in Seattle because of the way the fans engaged in the game when Felix got out there and, and the way he, he had a lot of showman in him and he could really, you know, get the fans going. He could get the, you know, elevate the, the energy level of the team. It was, it was really an enjoyable event. You, you bring up the change up. It just sort of dawns on me that as you mentioned, some of those guys, 
Felix with his changeup. You mentioned Johan Santana, who dominated with a changeup. They were just a little bit removed from Pedro Martinez, who obviously dominated with his changeup. And yet, we look around Major League Baseball today. Yeah, there are still guys who throw the changeup, but it sure seems like there's been a bit of a lost art there, which is interesting considering how dominant some of these, these you know, best in the game kind of pitchers were by using that pitch. You know, the, the first guy I ever remember, and Pedro was among them, but Pedro, Greg Maddox, you mm-hmm. know, in the nineties were guys that, that dominated, but primarily based on pitching back and forth. You know, Pedro did it at high velocity as well, but you know, the, the phenomenon of the changeup as an out pitch really evolved in the nineties, but, you know, baseball cycles, it cycles in and out. And, you know, if you remember back to, and I know when I was a kid in the seventies and, and the early eighties and, and even further back than that, maybe starting with, you know, the Bob Gibsons and Tom Seaver and, and, and watching through the seventies as Ron Guidry and Steve Carlton all dominate with sliders. And, and then it evolved to, something different in the, in the eighties where you had a lot of players with pitch mix and the split started to become a big thing with guys like Jack Morris and Mike Scott. And so there's, there's always a thing. And, you know, this generation has, you know, kind of reverted back to the slider or, you know, high fastballs very much like we saw in, you know, from the mid sixties through the late seventies. And, you know, my guess is it'll cycle back once some dominant pitcher or two does something interesting and everybody else starts to emulate them. <laughs> My last uh, kind of Felix question, because I want to get to the playoffs and we have another playoff team in town. First time in franchises history that the Mariners and Seahawks simultaneously same year make the playoffs, which is incredible uh, stuff for, for all of us to enjoy. But it does come to mind as you bring up that Felix story and the first time you saw him at 19 commanding those five pitches. My question, Jerry, and Salk and I have talked about this with NFL QBs and quarterbacks in general, is it nature or nurture? So at 19 out of Venezuela, right, where he doesn't have all the tools, he doesn't have all the things that the kids have today, he doesn't have, you know, all the metrics that, you know, so many even at 14 in our country have today. So at 19, he has command of all of that. Is that just a God gift nature or was there some nurturing and development along the way? You know, I think that's a gift when, when at such a young age, you're able to do those things. I, I would also say that, and we'll talk about the evolution of his changeup, you know, there's an element of nurture in there as well. So I don't really think it's, it's A or B. It doesn't have to be black or white. Some, some are gifted and at young ages can do things that others can't. And, you know, in Felix's case, you know, the, the development of his changeup, and I, and I think he would be the first to tell you this, really took off after he spent a lot of time with Freddie Garcia, who also had a dominant changeup. And, and you know, it, it, it does take a little bit of nurture. And, and even the great ones, like Felix at such a young age, they need a little help. And, and there are ways for everybody to get better. So I don't think it, it is as clear-cut as, as nature and nurture. Although in this case, I do think, that, that when you are doing those things at that age, there is just there's you are gifted in ways that others aren't. Hey, Jerry, it dawns on me that this hasn't been officially announced yet. So I'll ask you, are we allowed to to ask about any outfielders that may have signed within the last week who uh, have played some time in Chicago, L.A. and Arizona? Only if their names are AJ Pollock. Okay, so yes, uh, we can. But, but sure. <laughs> okay, I, I I didn't think it had actually been formally announced. So why why um why AJ Pollock? What are we excited about here? 
Yeah, we, you know, we should announce it at some point today, but AJ, I, I've known AJ since he was 21, coming out of Notre Dame, he's had a, a very steady major league career. And, you know, among the things that he does very steadily is, is he beats up left-hand pitching. And, and he did it again last year in what was otherwise, you know, what he will be the first to tell you, you know, not the best year he's had as a major leaguer. He just continues to perform against the lefties, He's got experience, uh, particularly in center and left field, but among the three outfield spots. And with what we were looking for at the outset of, of, of this offseason, you know, that right-handed hitter to pair with our young lefties in the outfield, A.J. checked every box. And, you know, as such, he wound up being very high on our, on our list. And, you know, as, as we engaged first at the GM meetings, then, you know, touched in again at the winter meetings, and then finally – you know, after, as we've talked about this free agent market, you know, it, it moves in waves. And, and, and I think the wave led us to A.J. Pollock at the right time, and, and we're thrilled to have him. Uh, as we look now at that, checking the boxes of this offseason, Jerry Hernandez and Wong and Pollock and, and then some uh, relievers as well, uh, any other boxes to check here over the next four to five weeks before we all get to Peoria? Sure, there's ways to get better. You know, and we've talked about, you know, the, the, the desire – to go at a second bat if we can do that. And, and I do think there's room, there's plate appearances to give. And you know, where where that fits in the, the hierarchy of our lineup, I can't tell you, and what's going to be available to us. We're still engaged with free agents. We're still engaged with various clubs and trade talks. And, and we would like to add that one more bat. And that's probably about it on, on what I would call standard major league deals. You know, we might do some non-roster invites, some minor league contracts to build depth, but, you know, we've made a couple of additions recently in our bullpen that we're excited about. We have started to build depth through non-roster invites and, and we are, you know, we're getting down to a trickle, but there's still ways we can get better. How do you envision using Pollock? I assume he's a, a platoon guy in left field. Is that the plan? Well, you know, I, he will play left field primarily against the, the left-hand pitchers. Uh, and that will, in our minds, allow for, you know, a, maybe a smoother takeoff for the young left-handed hitters and, and allow them to, to gain their footing facing mostly right-handers. Uh, AJ, we feel, still plays good defense, as a, particularly in left field. And, and, you know, former gold glover, he's just got good baseball instincts. There's also going to be opportunities for him to rotate over to right field to give Teo a, a day and, and potentially have him DH. And there's also going to be a, a chance for him to grab a DH day from time to time. But you know, he's he has played anything from what I would call you know a, a hyper role or, or a platoon role with with championship clubs with the Dodgers uh, down to everyday roles in, in Chicago last year and and in years past with the Diamondbacks. So we feel like he is well suited to, to being able to adjust to whatever we need in a moment. It's kind of fun here. Jerry DePoto with us as he is every Thursday and every one of these Thursdays come around. He's like, okay, and there's next Thursday. And then it's next Thursday and we're to February. And, and this thing now just starts to, you know, speed up uh, to me a little bit as we all get ready for sunshine down in spring training in Arizona. Any updates on some of the guys, you know, uh, we, we talked about Julio last week and in, in his off season, you know, Cal Raleigh, uh, Logan got married. Any any fun updates that, that you've gotten that have trickled in here as, as we near spring training? Yeah, I, I, I have to say it. 
that is officially the first time I've ever been asked to, to comment on, on uh, off-season marriages. <laughs> yeah, what did, what did you think? How yeah. was the ceremony? How'd Logan look? Did he yeah, shave? Did he get cleaned it up? lovely on social media. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's, it's, been, it's been a good off-season for us. We've had a number of our players uh, cycle in through, you know, first Seattle uh, in a couple of instances, but more often down in Peoria and get a chance to to visit with our hitting coaches and, and some of our, our strategists and, and high-performance people at the complex. That's been a real win for us. You know, and it, it kind of extends to now A.J. Pollock, who does make his home down in Arizona, Colton Wong, who's been over to, to hit at the facility, Cooper Hummel, joining, you know, the, the standards, guys that are there fairly regularly, like Sam Haggerty and Evan White. We are, you know, we're as healthy as, as we anticipated being headed into spring training or uh, talking yesterday with some of the, the, the representatives in our, both in our HP department and agents for players. Now, the, the, where we see guys who had any type of procedure in the offseason, they're, they're coming into spring training right about where we thought. And, you know, we're preparing tomorrow for arbitration exchange, which is always a very active and full day for us. And then we've got the uh, international signing uh, day coming up this this Sunday into Monday. So we we've got plenty on our plates that, uh, that to keep us interested as the, the days tick off to get to Peoria. I was thinking about your your team moving forward, and and one of the bets you guys have made is on the future of J.P. Crawford, and and that he will continue. Uh, to develop and continue to be a leader and, you know, be more the bat that he was two years ago, as opposed to last year. What do you think the future for JP looks like? You know, and I'll, I'll say this respectfully is, is, you know, JP while more consistent as an offensive player in 2021, 2022, if if you get, if we get uh, what we think JP delivers, which is, you know, steady defense. He has the ability to make the spectacular play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's got a gold glove on the shelf. Last year wasn't as good for him as, as two years prior, but all the skills remain the same. He's been somewhere between, a let's call it a two and a half and three and a quarter win player on a, on a war scale over the course of the last three years. That is a really valuable major league player. And to, to go out and play steady defense, to deliver, you know, league average offense, primarily through on base skills and, and contact ability, which is something that, that JP does very well. We don't expect him to hit 20 homers. We don't expect him to drive in 80 runs. You know, it, JP is best when he is moving the lineup, when he's getting on base and playing steady defense. And when you do those things with, you know, a good pitching staff, which I think we have, with leadership skills, which I know we've seen from JP, it's a really hard thing to wantingly go out there and replace. He's, he's good at it. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like you're replacing, you know, a win and a half player. You're replacing a player who even today is projected next year as a three-win player by many of the third-party systems. So you know, you're, you're not replacing a utility guy. You're replacing an above-average major league player at his position. And, and we value that in addition to what he brings in in, a, in the clubhouse, in the community, and, and the traits that aren't baseball oriented. So that's a, he he delivers for us now, and and he's only now in what should be the prime of his career. I mentioned earlier, Jerry, first time in franchise history in this city where both the Mariners and the Seahawks make the playoffs in the same year. We're a little over forty eight hours away from 
from kickoff with the Niners and uh, and the Seahawks on Saturday, the hay now is in the barn of your season and that playoff run of a season. I'm curious from your perspective as we get ready for the Seahawks and their playoff game, as you now look back at that playoff experience, not the 162-game marathon, but the playoff experience in particular, how valuable was that really for your young people and this young nucleus? Oh, it was huge. And, you know, I thought you meant the 162-game marathon that, that happened in game three versus the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I do that experience for our young players, frankly, for our veteran players, it, it was really invaluable in helping us grow forward, the confidence to know that A, we can get there, and B, we can play with those teams when we're on that stage. And, you know, and I hope the energy that it brought to our fan base and, and seeing the results of, of this team as we evolve and, and our young players graduate and become impact guys. And, and I think you saw that in the second half, especially with guys like Cal Raleigh and George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. And I am excited about what that confidence does to a group that is still going to line up as one of the younger teams in the American league with now, you know, I think additional firepower in our lineup and, and a more complete defensive club. I, I think one through 26, we're just better. And I know we're more confident and uh, it's a, it's an exciting thing to watch young teams break out. And that's what we watched last year. You ready for the uh, Bruins cracking today? I am. I, I said to my wife when I got up that we're doing a, you know, this is interesting off-field stuff, but tonight I'm doing a gold belly uh, cooking event with Chef Michael Simon, cooking wow. some uh, kielbasa and sauerkraut and pierogies. And, uh, you know, my, my first venture into that, and I said, I, I want to follow along with Michael Simon and be dialed, but I know I'm going to have the TV <laughs> on in the background because the Kraken are playing – the, the Bruins, who right now are the, the gold standard in, in the NHL. And, and, uh, I, and, and I think, right, you can't play better than the Kraken are playing right now. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. Gold belly classes. I, Justin just did a little gold belly uh, buffalo wings from Buffalo over New Year's. But I didn't, I didn't know they had cooking classes. So what, you follow along and make what they're making? Yeah, it's great. You know, so they, they send you a kit with, the, you know, what you'll need to prepare these meals and, and my wife has given it to me as a gift now on three or four occasions through the years. And, and then you just zoom in and it's an open cooking class with that chef. And I've, I've made ramen, you know, with, with Ivan Orkin and, and uh, Mexican food with Aron Sanchez. And now it's, it's, a, it's a Polish feast with Michael Sun. I would think, a, you know, president of the marriage, you just invite those guys over to your house to come cook for you in person, no? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I have that kind of pull. I oh, let's get you, a couple of world yeah, series. Well, we'll talk to John. We'll see if we can get that all set up for you. Because uh, we were hoping maybe you could get us into Bianco when we're down in uh, in Peoria in a couple of weeks because nobody can get a reservation anymore. I'm very good at waiting on the line at Bianco <laughs> and eating the pizza and enjoying it. <laughs> Jerry, thank you. Uh, we'll talk again next week. Looking forward to it. Just over a month before spring training gets underway with pitchers and catchers. Can't wait. All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon.